The following podcast is going to introduce uh, Jolan Kemp Walker, who is going to present to us a sensible, enticing sentence, which will encourage you to want to listen to the full episode of NHL Fans from Afar uh, over the next course of the hour. I'll hand over to Jolan Kemp Walker. Did you know Evander Kane and Patrick Kane are not related? And that's the end of the podcast. No, we're kidding, really. Um, But we are talking surprises. Perhaps that's a surprise to you. We're looking as we are, uh, what, about a third of the season through for some teams anyway, not for all the others. Uh, What is it? How how are things going? What is surprising people about players, coaches, teams? And maybe we'll get into a family fortunes quiz, seeing as Jolon set the bar there, of who's related and who isn't related. Uh, I'll get typing on that, Googling, whilst you can listen to a bit of theme music. Well, what a teaser there, Jolon. How are Thanks. you? I'd given a lot of thought to that, as you could tell. Uh, no, I'm I'm very good for obvious reasons. I am very, very good. Um, oh yeah, I mean, there's a, there's there's some team that apparently you support, but we're going to try and get through the first five minutes without talking about them. I guess. You mean I can't talk about the fact that Michael Clutcherson would stop Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on his own? and become the team. The Leafs have not shut out a team on back-to-back nights since 1954, and it happened last night in Edmonton. Sorry, spoiler alert. But, hey, it's a good time to be a Leafs fan. I think also what surprised me most is we actually... um, we put a tweet out uh, on our Twitter, NHL fans from afar, asking this question about what has surprised people so far. What surprised me was that we heard from Tom, who's an Edmonton Oilers fan, fellow Brummy, and he said, I take no pleasure in saying it, but having just shut out an offence that features Conor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in successive games, I think the Leafs could be the real deal. And could we keep this Canadian division forever? I mean, when an Oilers fan tweets you and says that they think the Leafs could be the real deal, uh, that is a unique situation. It it is. And what what was interesting is that the run-up into that game or this series, because it's a three-game series between Edmonton and Toronto, was that Edmonton were on a... They were on a heater. They were hot going into this um, run. They were something like... I think they were like um, 11 out of 13 they'd won um, in a row. They were doing incredible. Basically, Mike Smith coming back has turned the Edmonton Oilers season round. Um, and the talk was, is if Edmonton could win these three games against Toronto, all in Edmonton, then they could actually leapfrog the Leafs and they could end up at the end of these three games um, on top. And I think when... Leafs fans heard that Austin Matthews wasn't going to be playing. Jack Campbell did play the Leafs back up in the uh, in the first game, um, but was you know ill and all this kind of stuff. And then Hutchison played. 
And the way that the Leafs have just absolutely smothered a team that is offensively great as Edmonton, it does make you sit there and think, hang on a minute, this, this, could, this could be real. Well, it has been a bit of a mad kind of week catching up. I mean, just one final thing. I'm also a Leafs fan, by the way. Hey, I'm Claire. Um, Five games over eight days is pretty intense. But I do not think that is anything compared to our friend of the podcast, Matt Day, (laughs) Dallas Stars fan who is on. Uh, We will get into the surprises. We're going to talk, by the way, we've got Minnesota Wild, we've got Chicago Blackhawks, we've got Buffalo Sabres, we've got all these that we're kind of going to dig into throughout the next hour or so. But Matt Day, the new schedule came out because Dallas Stars have played the least number of games compared to any team because of various reasons. And your catch-up schedule is like something else I mean have you got something like triple back-to-backs with one day off and then back into it we just had oh hello by the way uh we just had our final uh practice probably full practice of the season uh (laughs) our last two-day break um and yeah we've got nine more back-to-backs to play before the end of the season wow um we've only played 16 games and the the new schedule is just crazy. I, I think I messaged uh, Joelan in the week and said it's borderline, like dangerous. Um, uh, I'm not quite sure how the league expect them to play that schedule without picking up injuries. Mm, and and actually, you know, the the guys who are at UK Dallas Stars fanatics, they also dropped us a tweet really kind of, uh, you know, with a bit of sympathy with you guys here, saying poor February for the Stars, injuries, poor form, ridiculous schedule, and no plan B are going to make this a very long season. Require maybe 25 wins from 40 games left. Something needs to change, attitude or coach. I mean, do you think it is about the attitude or coach, or is it just that you've had such a disrupted start to the season that this game is like a lot of it's about momentum and, and you just haven't really had the chance to really get up and running. It's like you do in October again and again and yeah. again. It's, it, it's difficult because, um, you know, we started the season with injuries anyway, off the back of um, last season, Bishop and Sagan out long-term, that's, that's two massive pieces for us gone. Um, then you have the COVID thing um, and we start late, but then we went on a, I think we started the season five, one and one. So good start. Things are looking positive. And then, you know, I think we've only had one win since then. Um, so it's like one win in the whole of February. It's It's been pretty poor. The attitude hasn't been great, but we've been in games. We've been, we've had games where we've been in it and you, you see glimpses of a, a good side. And you think, yeah, this is the side that got to the Stanley Cup last year. And then you have periods of hockey that are just awful. Um, I couldn't get through the game against Tampa <laughs> the other night. I, uh, I had to turn it off and go to sleep. It was it was, it was so a wise bad. move. It was a um, wise move. But surely this year, though, surely this year, like you talk about the the issues that they've got and the schedule and all this kind of stuff. But any talk of like coaching changes or big moot squad moves, they're not going to do that this year. Are they just this this year of all years would be easy to just write off for the stars and go, we 
this it was just too much against us. They're not going to get rid of the coach. Um, Jim Neil, the GM, did an interview uh, that I think came out today with the Athletic, saying that uh, Rick Bones is not in a, a hot seat. Um, he's having to deal with so many issues that you know his job is not at risk. And and I think in a way that's that's kind of fair enough. Uh, I mean, I kind of think COVID is playing a bit of a part. There's some players that are just not skating as well as they used to. Miro Heskinen, for example, he can skate rings around people all day. He's fast and he can just keep going. He seems to be able to have a two-minute shift sometimes and still be going just as fast. But this season, there's people going past him that just should not be out skating him. And, and that's maybe I'm reading into it that that's that's COVID related I don't know but um, but something's not right whether it is the coach whether it is the attitude whether it is the injuries and everything something's not right and yeah I'm kind of resigned to the fact that we're not going to make the playoffs but I think if we did make the playoffs with the, the schedule and how many wins we need it would probably be as big an achievement as making the Stanley Cup final last year Mm, it's difficult, isn't it? Because when you just look at points on its own, you know, you're, you're in the central division. That's what it's called. Uh, you sit at the bottom of that out of eight teams. And for anyone to sit there and stomach being below Detroit Red Wings right now is absolutely crazy. Although they played 24 games, you played 16 when you look at it that way. But it's not it's not a pretty sight it, to kind of sit there, is it? It, it isn't. And when, and when you're watching the kind of hockey we've been watching... Um, you can't see where the next win's coming from, especially in that central division where, to be fair to Detroit, I don't think they're as bad as people are giving them not credit for. Um, You know, and Columbus, Chicago, Carolina, Tampa and Florida are very good teams. Um, We're going to talk about surprises. I think Chicago and Florida are the surprises for me in in that division. But both of them, we, we play both of them and they're both very good sides. Mm. Um, so we've got to play all of those seven teams at least four times um, still so going on a run and picking up roughly 25 wins to try and get that fourth spot is a tough ask especially in the the time frame but yeah and you look at Chicago Carolina Tampa I mean they're all on winning runs at the moment uh, even Nashville has won their last two games um, uh, been, uh, Nashville have been pretty naff this year there's somebody I'd like to chuck into that that kind of talk about surprises as well later on maybe because they've been a team that since that surprising run they had to the Stanley Cup final there has been nothing but disappointment for that team and yeah. it looks all the kind of talk out of Nashville at the moment sounds like they're basically going to sell up and, you know, anyone who's not named Pecorine and a couple of others can be as good as gone from Nashville, which is an incredible kind of fall from where they were a few years back. But are they, I think I, I didn't read the full article on The Athletic, but I'm still sure that I saw the word rebuilding. Are they in a process of rebuilding? I mean... They're flirting with it. Nashville, I think, I think they're close to making that decision, but... Yeah. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because people just say, oh yeah, we're on a rebuild. 
I mean, is that just code for we're having a crap time? I mean, at what uh, point <laughs> does does crap season turn into rebuild, really? Uh, I don't know if we want to go into this now, but this is kind of what I was going to say about Buffalo. Uh, the, there's a real big difference between go- going into a rebuild and being crap. And, you know, the different teams have different relationships with rebuilds. Like, so you look at, we've mentioned a couple of them tonight. You look at Detroit, right? Full on rebuild. Absolutely. No holes barred. Clear shop. Rebuild. Tool up. It's going to be a tough, tough few years. But the good times are coming. One hopes if everything's successful. Someone like Chicago. Now, there was talk of a rebuild in the summer. Just gone. And that went down very badly amongst the players, amongst some of the fans, although some would probably agree that maybe it was time. And there has been a bounce back this year from Chicago, almost as if a kind of a proving of we are not done yet. Like don't rebuild us just quite yet. So it's quite difficult when you look at those, uh, when you look at those different teams, because a rebuild does mean something different. And I think it is quite drastic in hockey. And I think, You've seen what happens to teams that, that a rebuild does take uh, many, many years. And even, you know, New York Rangers this year, they were the team who supposedly had nailed the rebuild and were right on point ahead of their curve, their, their expected curve. And they've had a really bad season this year, which is to be expected, but the expectation was already on the up. So I, I, I think teams like Nashville certainly won't take it lightly pressing that button for the rebuild because they know that they've probably then got three years of quite miserable times ahead of them. Mm. I think I think you're right about the, the sort of, there's almost two types of rebuild. Yeah. It, there's the big, we're getting rid of all of our big pieces, getting as many draft picks as possible and coming again. And that's yeah. kind of what Ottawa and Detroit have done over the last few years. Um, and then there's the, like, Pittsburgh over the last few years and, and kind of Chicago this year where they got rid of a few of the bigger pieces but then they've really kind of brought through some of their draft picks and prospects from you know two three four years ago and they're playing well yeah. and so they're, they they haven't they've almost progressed much quicker um, than people were expecting because those those prospects have come through and played really well. Um, and Pittsburgh did that for several years. And we, there's always talk of a, a rebuild at Pittsburgh and get rid of Malkin and, and that we've discussed it several times. Um, but they just keep managing to hang in there and be in with a shot of, of Stanley Cup playoffs every year. But like like Detroit, I mean, Detroit did that. You know, they had that incredible run of making the playoffs for something like 20 years or something ridiculous. And um, the only way they do that is to continue mortgaging against their future and to use every future asset they have to turn into kind of something players to kind of drag them over the edge and to get into the playoffs. And, you know, that meant that there was a very long period of time when it was a good time to be a Detroit Red Wings fan. However, now the uh, <laughs> the the bankers are wanting the, uh, the the checks cashed from all of that mortgaging because you can't just you eventually run out of stuff and that's what they did and then they go through the big rebuild. But I think fans know that and fans feel okay. I think it's almost yeah sometimes those ones that kind of flirt with rebuilding and maybe use the term a little bit too lightly 
and and the fans look at it and go, that's not a rebuild. Just moving a couple of pieces out and bringing a few in, like a rebuild is back to the back to the basics. Mm. So we actually had a, a tweet from a Carolina fan. Just you know, earlier you were mentioning about the Central Division, um, Matt Adam um, dropped us a tweet saying. Uh, Vincent Trocek's um, revenge tour has been an absolute pleasure to watch for the Canes after his last few seasons in Florida were derailed with injuries. Chuffed the Canes traded for him at last year's trade deadline and he's been a top notch so far. Um, yeah, Canes, he's, interesting. He's um, Trocek's completely destroyed the Stars this year <laughs> in our games against Carolina. But Carolina are a very good side. I think... Um, in the playoffs last year we were discussing Carolina and, and saying how well organised they are and and that's the case this year they're very well organised hockey club um, who've got firepower and, and Trocek's really kind of come to the forefront in that he's so good at face-offs I think I was saying to John and I, he's probably mm. possibly the best in the league just whenever he's on the face-off dot it seems like they win and they're in possession and they get a shot on goal. And, you know, you do that enough times, you, you're you going to score goals and, and they are. Um, I think... He give, he gives them a bit of grit in the centre as well, Drecek. Yeah. And that's what the Canes were missing a little bit. Like, they had these incredible skilled players like Arho and Svechnikov and players like that. And and they, do have, they did have some grit in there. But they, I don't know, I always looked at them and thought, God, if you added a real kind of a big kind of meaty centre to that team, then that is what they need. And you're right, it's that face-off winning. It's that he's a tough player to watch. A tough player as in to play against, sorry, not to watch. But um, he he just seems to add something that they were missing because they had the attitude, they had the skill, they just needed a bit of stuff to kind of back that up through the centre. And the last two seasons, he's had he's had such a good year. For- and we, we, we spoke about goalie tandems and um, Carolina had a, a good tandem with Mrazic and, and Reimer and Mrazic's been out since like the fifth mm. game of the season. Um, and they've still got 14 wins. Um, yeah. So he's, he's on his way back. So towards the back end of the season, Carolina could be even better. There are some really interesting um, <laughs> backup goaltenders who have done very well this year. And there's some really weird runs. Um, I was looking at the, uh, the Winnipeg Jets backup who is like, uh, his name is like Brassot or something like that. Um, and he's he's only played in like, I think he's starting tonight actually, but I, I think he's played like two games or three games and he's got like a shutout in every single one. And there's another one as well, and I can't remember who that is, but Jack Campbell, the Leafs backup goaltenders, like played three games, got a shutout and won all three or something like that. There's quite a few backups who are posting these kind of 928 save percentages and yet you've got these number ones. Jake Allen's another one in Montreal. We might talk about them a little bit later with the coach firing. But Jake Allen in Montreal has something like a 920-something save percentage over 11 games. Carey Price has an 890-something over about 13 games as the main starter. And uh, it's just a, it's been a funny one this year. I don't know whether it's happened more because of the way the schedule's panned out. Um, but that one in Carolina, I've noticed they've been cycling through different goaltenders and have noticed that across the league. I was going to say, I think the the schedule probably plays into that quite a bit because mm. the, the backups are getting to play more games than they usually would. You know, in the 82-game yeah. schedule over the normal season, they, 
they play once every two weeks. I also so, wonder if they're not playing also always the second half of a crappy back-to-back as well yeah. with travel. Like, yeah. because that's the other thing that's not happening as much this year. There's not those weird back-to-backs where teams travel between them occasionally. So I wonder if with that condensed schedule, coaches are being a little bit more creative as to when they play their backup. And that means that there are... The, the New York Island, is it New York Islanders? Is it Shrotkin or someone like that? He's another one. He's got like two shutouts. Yeah. You know, just looking at save percentage alone in the league right now. Oh, it's yeah. tanked. Mrazic, obviously, as you mentioned, top of the top of the charts here with a nine five five save percentage. Uh, Andre Valeski is number four. Um, he's played sixteen games. Mrazic was number one. Number you one, know, but he only played only four games. Four, four games. games. Only four oh, games. Right, okay. Now, Andre Valeski has played sixteen games and sits at number four with a point nine three eight. Two but places two and three. <laughs> this actually shocks me. I almost fell off my seat when I looked at this. They're both um, backups of it. They are both backups. They are both Toronto Maple Leafs yeah, backups. I mean, and and Jack Campbell. Like I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so yeah, I, I occasionally just love going onto the NHL stats um, like tab just to go and have a look at what weird things come up on there. Yeah, bonkers. But yeah, really, Valeski is uh, is up there with, with 16 <laughs> games. Goaltending is, uh, we talked about goaltending a lot before, so I'll keep this brief, but goaltending is so strange. And this is why no goaltender should earn 10 million like Bobrovsky and, and Price do, because you've got... You've got like Dave Riddich in Calgary because he's backing up for Markstrom, who's injured at the moment. And he, Dave Riddich has an absolutely stunning game against the Leafs, shuts them out. No, like they're just absolutely no chance of getting past him. He then plays Ottawa two nights later and gets pulled because he's let in something like four goals in 10 shots. And he goes storming down the tunnel and breaks his stick against the door. I mean, goaltending is just weird. Like, and how you could ever pitch a that amount of money to one goaltender, I just don't know, because it's just, it's voodoo. <laughs> but do you, do you find that, like, goaltending is the one position where I look at it and I go, like, I'm more critical of it than anything else, and I'm going to look at it and go, yeah. I could do yeah. better than that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's, the thing that always gets me, and, and I know it's complete nonsense, but the number of goals that go into pretty much an empty net because the goaltender moves too far either out, yeah. left, just right. <laughs> just stay in the middle. You're six foot seven. You're wearing all these pads. Surely if you just stayed in the goal, you'd save more than if you, you kept sliding side to side. But I wonder like, I wonder though if what, what we're not I giving credit I wonder if we're not giving credit to NHL shooters. Because that's yeah. that's the thing, isn't it? Like NHL shooters will find the tiniest of tiny gaps. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, they would just they, but it is but it, true. Like you, you look at it and you go, just just be big in the middle, and you'll. But more critical of goaltenders than you are of like a, you know, a sniper. It's like you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I do think. I do think they. Uh, I always think that when commentators and broadcasters talk about goaltenders and they say, "Oh, well, he'd like to have that one back," and you go, well, "Yeah, but." he'd also probably have liked to have some defenders around him as well. Like, (laughs) and they do get an unbelievable amount of uh, attention on the goals for natural reasons, like any sport, but really 
goaltenders are only going to save so many shots. And if you give them chances to shoot or NHL chances uh, forwards to shoot, they're going to score some of them. And it, a lot of it comes down to the the, the defence and whether they can get in there. But yeah, it's, it's such a weird, like, I, I totally agree. I do overanalyze goaltenders a lot when I'm watching hockey. Hmm. Talking about people who are scoring a lot of goals, uh, Patrick Kane, not Evander mm. Kane. We'll talk about him in another segment. Patrick Kane, uh, hang on, have I got this right? 400 goals in total. He's, he's surpassed that milestone. Go um, on, Matt. Wax lyrical about him. That'll be just what Chicago needs, right? <laughs> it is exactly what Chicago <laughs> needs. <laughs> Go on. Oh, it's like no, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great player, but you know he he's like the the Brad Marchand or whatever for for the Stars in the Central Division because every year he's just scoring thirty forty goals and uh, game winners and yeah he's he is an incredible player. There's I saw um, stats about whether or not he'll break the all time American goal scoring record, which is held by Mike Madano. Um, and I think they were suggesting that he's got to score 27 goals or something for every season until he's 40 to break it. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be close. Wow. It's kind of doable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, He's on 11 this season already. Yeah. Okay. A lot of it's going to depend on what team though is around him in Chicago. That's That's it. Like the situation might be taken out of his hands with Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Let's flip it over to the West Division, um, a division that kind of like fascinates me. I feel like every time I blink and I look at the West, there's something else happening. Like, you know, I, I look at it, it almost feels like I check out the West once a week and there's like, what? I mean, like, I want to pick out St. Louis Blues and Minnesota Wild, but St. Louis Blues, explain this to me, Jolon about Evander Kane and Jordan Binnington. So you picked out this little moment, right? Uh, yes, yeah. Both uh, me and Matt noticed um, this. And it was... Um, Jordan Binnington was not very happy the other day, talking of goaltenders. Um, and Matt was telling us earlier, uh, before we started recording, he does have form on this. Um, but he <laughs> he got pulled. And as... Um, as all goaltenders, I'm sure, who get pulled aren't necessarily happy at that. But he had shipped quite a few goals. It was a crazy game against San Jose. It was like 7-6 or something, the final score. Um, and Bennington got pulled. And um, instead of just heading off down the tunnel uh, or onto the bench, um, he actually, well, he had to kind of awkwardly go across the ice because of COVID and where they all sit and stuff. Like he was sitting on the other side of the arena. So he had to kind of skate across. Instead of just doing that, he decided to go round a, a selection of San Jose players and just kind of give them a little like poke in the face, like with his mitt and kind of shoulder barge them and just kind of goad people from the bench, which is an odd position to be doing it, really, considering you're a goalie being pulled. Um, and then he kind of skated past uh, Devin Dubnik, the San Jose goaltender, and kind of then squared up to him and, and Dubnik thought, I've had enough of this and I'm a goaltender, so I can actually punch you. And so they had a little scrap. And afterwards, uh, Dubnik was asked about it in the press. He said, well, what did you say to him? And 
Dumnit just said in a very kind of deadpan way, I just told him to get off the ice, which to be fair is kind of what everyone was thinking at that point. Cause like, what are you doing? This weird kind of strutting around the ice when you've just been pulled. But I, uh, you spied as well, man. I know you're a big fan of Bennington as a stars fan, but um, yeah, no, no yeah. we keep bringing up players that I don't want to talk about. Um, yeah, but you don't mind talking about him in this context, do you? No, he does. He does have form. So uh, when he was in the AHL playing for San Antonio, uh, he was playing against Texas Stars, and I think he just conceded his sixth goal uh, and decided to skate out of the net and blatantly slash the player that had just scored um, starting a, a fight. So as somebody else came over, he slashed them as well with a big goalie stick and it was an all-out brawl. Um, and then when he, he's getting told to leave and he skates straight past the Texas Stars bench trying to fight everyone. So yeah, he's a bit of, bit of a hothead. Um, they are nuts as but, but goalies are, are mad. Uh, I had, I, you know what? I just, I'm actually quite shocked. In my head, maybe I'd put Jordan Bennington on a pedestal, like of thinking he was like this kind of young, innocent angel who had risen to glory. <laughs> no. like, I wish I'm, you could see that face. <laughs> so naive, clearly. But then when I see when you told me about this, and I was like, oh, let's have a quick Google. I ended up watching a video which was completely different of a different game where it was Evander Kane, like kind of there was a face-off happening further down the ice and he's really close next to Jordan Bennington, who was in net. And this is in January this year. And Evander Kane just turned around and slashed Jordan Bennington straight in the stomach and you see him curve over and Evander Kane gets sent off. So that, I think, kind of planted the seed in Hmm, maybe there's some history here that I didn't realise. The uh, halo has fallen uh, from Jordan Binnington a long time ago, apparently. There's a there's another one as well. He was um, end of the first period. I think this was in the AHL, AHL as well, but not playing for San Antonio. And he's skating off at the end of the first period and he just punches the guy in the face. He's, what? He's, yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's mental. Do you... But, but that's kind of kind of what everybody wants in goalies, isn't it? Yeah, character and because they're you know. so goalies are these kind of they're such weird beings because they're so on the face of it, a lot of them are very cool, calm, collected, don't get involved. They can literally have like scraps around them and punches around them, and they just don't get involved. Um, obviously, because they're handicapped slightly by their padding. But then every now and again, one of them breaks. Did you see, um, you probably wouldn't have seen it, Max. It wasn't a major thing. But if you watch the Leafs game, did you see uh, Mike Smith, Claire, last night against um, Toronto? I haven't, So no. <laughs> Mike Smith is, a, is one of those goaltenders who is quite happy to express himself. And uh, is one of those plays where kind of uh, a defenceman and a forward both go kind of crashing into the net and Mike Smith gets a bit battered by it. But nothing malicious anyway. Mike Smith was not having it. So he was kind of, he fell into the back of his net and his helmet kind of fell off. He got up and you could see he was baying for blood. And he looked around and he saw Ely Mikheyev, the Toronto forward, who does not have a nasty streak in him at all. He saw him and Mike Smith just launched at him, just went for him with a fist. Mikheyev just thinks, what the hell is going on? It wasn't even Mikheyev that did it. <laughs> so Zach Hyman, who was the player who went a bit crashing into him and is a bit of a heavier player, goes skating off around the corner while Mike Smith is just chasing after Ilya Mikheyev. 
<laughs> you're like, this guy's nuts. He's obviously just gone, you're a leaf. I'm having you. Not having that. But this, oh, it's, they are so funny. And goalie fights. Whenever we, I, you see I was going to say fight. goalie oh. fights. I've, oh. I, I've spent hours on YouTube watching goalie fight compilations. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Absolutely yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But they don't happen yeah. anymore. Lockdown I think, one. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think Mike Smith was involved in the last... Uh, yeah, goalie was. fight, I remember. Mm-hmm. Was it in the Battle of Alberta a couple yes. of seasons yeah. ago? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's they just loads got sent off. Just well, that's when everybody anymore. started fighting everybody. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I think it almost looks like uh, two sumo wrestlers fighting, though, doesn't it? With like two goalies. Yeah. It's great. I just love it how one of them has had to skate the full length of the ice. And I do wonder at which point they're at the ice going, oh, God, I wish I hadn't bothered with this. But they just, they've got to go. They're committed. Great, I love it. It kind of makes you think, you know, like, um, have you ever ran up an escalator like the when it's like going down? Yeah, yeah, and it seems like a really great idea. And then as you start going a few steps up, you like committed, like, you've either just got to do or die. It's a bit like, um, you know, if you ever watch gladiators and you've just got to keep going. Yeah, otherwise it's just really embarrassed as you get yeah, to the But it's, it's like doing that. It's like running up an escalator backwards, and then knowing that you've got to have a face. fist fight at the, at the end of it. Like, <laughs> you've really got to question. You've got to question these people. Oh, right, dear. whilst we're talking the West, West. though, you say, sorry, you Minnesota. talk about the West, you talk about the West, Claire, and you say you're fascinated by it. I hate to disagree, but isn't it just playing out how we all expected? No, like, it's not. No, Vegas not with Minnesota. Top. We Minnesota, all knew that. St. Louis the second. Hear me out. St. Louis the second. We all knew they would probably be in the top four. Minnesota third. All right. Bit of a surprise. Colorado fourth. That is probably the biggest surprise, although still early days. Then LA, Arizona, San Jose, Anaheim. All crap teams, bottom of the league. I, I think bam, positionally, bam, positionally, you might be saying it's playing out apart from Minnesota. But actually, if you look at the results and how close it is, it's it's a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I think the last podcast I was on a month ago, I said this is the one that it's all sewn up. The four, you know, the four, and actually watching some of these games, uh, Minnesota are playing really well. Los Angeles have been picking up wins, but I think they went on a five-game win streak. You can't write them out, I don't think. Of that, no, spot. I think. LA probably, I would say, just purely looking at standings, and I, I don't watch a hell of a lot of, of West hockey at the moment, particularly. But uh, looking at the standings, LA, I, I'm surprised they're that high or that uh, they've won that many games. But other than that, Minnesota, they're always that kind of middle of the pack team. They'll yeah, probably they, just scrape in or miss out. They were terrible last year. Um, they were. I don't think. I don't think anybody expected them to be where they are, and and the, how they started the season was exactly how. I think, well, I thought they would be. But who comes in from that bottom four? Like Arizona, mess of a team. San Jose, mess of a team. Anaheim, rebuilding, mess of a team on purpose. I don't know. I think it's a division that was just sealed up with Vegas, St. Louis and Colorado. And then you've got somebody fighting for fourth, which was either going to be Minnesota or one of the others. Sorry, I'm playing down. It was interesting (laughs) listening to the the podcast last week. and Craig was talking about Colorado and saying, you know, the the way they play, some some weeks they're gonna or some nights they're gonna lose, yeah. um, and and that's really playing out. You know, they're five, four, and one in the last ten. Um, it, it's kind of like a a fifty fifty, you know, five hundred um, five hundred mark yeah. um, kind of division. Um, they're all seeming to either win half their games 
or go on streaks and then go on losing streaks. He was also saying, interestingly, that they don't have a backup goaltender and they're playing a third choice goaltender who supposedly is doing absolutely nothing for them. And, you know, that is going to hurt you in a in a season like this with this many games. And so that will also be, you would imagine, tallying up. But if I was a Colorado fan, even me today, if I was an Avalanche fan, I'd be thinking as long as we get into the playoffs, we've got a chance of yeah. winning this. Like you're a good enough team to just get in and then deal with the rest of it. See the when I was um, I was having a little sift through the other day about rookies. Um, I'm quite poor. My knowledge is not brill about knowing new players to the team. So I thought I'll just have a little Google and go down a black hole and watch some, you know, montages and stuff. And the name that came up and forgive me if I say this wrong, my Russian is not great, uh, but Kirill Kaprizov. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Have you heard of that name? Do you know that person? Yep. Yeah, it plays. He plays in Minnesota Wild. He's top of the, um, you know, league for rookies in NHL. Uh, how many points has he got? Seventeen points. He's a left wing, um, and and I and I was quite surprised by that actually. Um, and I was reading a bit about him, and he was talking about like uh, you know having to adapt to a new country. Uh, different languages, deal with all the pandemic restrictions he's had to go through, like to kind of get here. And there was an article that kind of said about him, like he's not just good, he may be transformative, he may be changing the way the world looks and plays. And I thought, yeah, that is uh, interesting that a rookie is kind of changing things up a bit in Minnesota Wild. I wouldn't necessarily have thought that. And I was like, I've never heard of his name. Don't know anything about him. But, you know, it kind of just, that's why we kind of do this podcast and look outside in other divisions, isn't it really? To like almost spot ones, ones to watch. Yeah, Matt Zuccarello came back from injury and I think played his first like five or six games of the, the season. And that coincided with the, the six game winning streak he, he had something like three goals, seven assists, and and third star of the week. And I think he's he's been a big miss for them at the beginning of the season. Um, he's creative, um, and you know with Kaprizov and and him in the team, you're gonna you're gonna create chances. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the Wild do in the the second half of the season. If if ever there was a team that needed a new identity, though, it's Minnesota. They have had such a dull few years, quite a few years really, since they signed those massive contracts way back when for a couple of players and they've just lacked any identity or any spark. So yeah, I mean, really hope for Wild fans because it's a big hockey kind of part of America. It's one of the biggest kind of hockey markets in America, Minnesota. They call it hockey country or hockey town. And um, sorry, hockey country, not hockey town, Detroit. Um, And you kind of hope for the good of the sport that they're a team that kind of go on the rise over the next few years. Mm, I'm trying to remember, we, we did a did a podcast episode where we looked into the Minnesota Wild and we learned some fascinating facts about haircuts and all the crazy kind of, yeah, like the, oh, what, what is the nickname of it? Something like, something to do with Maine. The, the land of the wild mains or something. I need to go and revisit that mm-hmm. fact because it was one of those things like that kind of fascinated me where the name came from. And yeah, I'll go check that out whilst you're talking about other things. What other um, division shall we go? How about the East? Like yeah. what is happening in the East? I mean, 
15 points to 28 points. You know, it's like Buffalo sit there at the bottom. You wanted to pick out Sabres, Joe Loners, one of the surprises. How come? Yeah, because they're still so bad. <laughs> like, how can they be so bad? A team with Jack Eichel, with Rasmus Darlene in. How can they be so bad? And I feel so desperately sorry for Buffalo Sabres fans and um, it must be so difficult to watch that team at the moment if you're a fan because you have gone through the absolute ringer over the years over the recent years anyway particularly and you've got this player in Jack Eichel who's like this generational talent one of the best forwards in the NHL right now you've got another first overall pick in Rasmus Darlene he adds the defensive element, new, young, attacking defensive element. You've got players like um, Rasmus Ristolainen and others as well in that team who, and then in this off-season, your GM, your new GM goes out and signs Taylor Hall and you think, oh, yes, right, finally, let's give this a go. And they've been garbage. Like, they've been awful. And you've got these crazy scenarios where you've got teams like that. And we were talking about it with the rebuild earlier. We were talking about how teams who just embrace the fact they're going to be bad for a few years, your Detroit, your Ottawa's, your things like that. Buffalo aren't that. Buffalo had that and they got Jack Eichel and they got Rasmus Darling. They're still awful. And you, you sit there as a fan and think, well, hang on a minute. Are we going to now rebuild again? Because that means we have to ship out Eichel. He sounds like he wants a trade. He's got he's on um, he's on the top of the Athletics trade board. Um, so whether that'll happen in the off, it probably will happen in the off season because he's too big a contract to deal um, before the trade deadline. However, you've got him talking about leaving. You've got Jeff Skinner, who you signed for a nine million dollar contract, who is currently scratched. He's a healthy scratch for like three or four games. And even before that, he was on the fourth line. And now, okay, you can argue that maybe the coach doesn't like him or he's not scoring enough goals and that contract was ridiculous and should never have given it to him. However, he's still $9 million on a bad team. You need to get him in the lineup. And there's been all sorts of questions about the coach there. Um, Ralph Kruger, who uh, supposedly is very popular with the players and a lot of the players have come out and said very publicly that they are... um, they really like him, but he's not got much experience coaching in the NHL. He was actually a soccer uh, football coach um, previously as well. And the ownership there in the Pagulas is one that is toxic with the fans right now. They have no kind of um, good feelings towards that ownership group because they've sacked so many coaches, because they've sacked so many GMs. And I just, I just feel really bad for that fan base because you sit there and you think on paper that is a team that should be good and that is a team that should be on the upward trajectory and they they go out they sign Taylor Hall they add that and I don't know just miserable if you look at that and you think New Jersey and teams like that they who are in a rebuild of sorts should be should be competing for that bottom spot but Buffalo look like they've got that just as, you know, their points percentage is it's 395. Like, it's just terrible. Six wins all year. And chances are Jack Eichel's gone after the end of the season. 
bad times if you're a Sabres fan. I feel for you. I, I, I couldn't agree more about how every year I think they, they're going to be better. Exactly. And they're not. And I, I was yeah. just looking at their team and you, you look at it on paper and they've got a really good mix of, of young talent, veterans. And you have a look at, um, they've got eight players in their lineup that were drafted by them in the top eight overall. Yeah. And it's then so they've, got, for so long. they've got three players in their lineup that they traded for that were drafted inside the top eight overall. So, you know, you look at it and you just go, you've got so much first round talent in that team. How are you still bad? There's, there's, yeah. there's something else going on. There's got to be. Um, it, it, you just can't be that bad with that much talent. Um, no. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And you look at that, you look at, as you say, you look at that team and you think every year, and I know I've heard it so many times on panel shows, they'll, when they do these preseason predict, predictions, they're always like, oh, this, this is the year for Buffalo. This is the breakout year for Buffalo. This is when Eichel owns that division. And he just can't. And there was a really embarrassing one earlier in the week when um, Ralph Kruger, the coach of uh, the Buffalo Sabres, um, basically misreported how and when Jack Eichel got injured. And it was just the, kind of the last thing that they really needed. And uh, when he was asked about Jack Eichel, because he's, he's missed a few games for an injury, uh, he said that he got injured during a warm-up of the game. And then later on, when Jack Eichel was asked about it, he said, no, I got injured in the game against New Jersey. Like, And there's just this kind of stuff where you're like, if you're the coach of the Buffalo Sabres, you, you need to know when your star, star player is or isn't injured. And obviously, as, as a fan base, that's just head in the hands moment. And just feels like there's going to be more tough times ahead for them, particularly if Eichel goes out the door. And then the work, <laughs> last point on it, I had this horrible premonition of what Buffalo are going to do if Eichel goes in the summer. Eichel goes, they trade for probably futures, but maybe a couple of other players as well. And then they sign Taylor Hall long term to be the kind of like marquee replacement for Jack Eichel. Now this is Taylor Hall. Who's not been good since 2018. Like, and has been a bit of a disappointment in the last few years to say the least. And I don't know if I was a Buffalo Sabres fan and you were signing Taylor Hall for that kind of money, Jeff Skinner making 9 million Taylor Hall could make an absolute fortune on that team. If Eichel went particularly. And I don't know, that does not fill me with much joy. Sorry, Buffalo fans. Mm-hmm. Come on the podcast there and tell me I'm wrong. I'd love I I don't think you would, but just stick with um star players. So it, it we're staying within the East Division. Um this this kind of hoo-ha about Sidney Crosby is sitting out at the moment because he's placed on COVID uh protocol. Mm. And then there seemed to be kind of being a bit of rush to media, doesn't they? Just because they're on COVID protocol doesn't mean that they have COVID. Um, what is it? I mean, is there any more to that? Is this, is, is that it? Is that all it is? Or is, is there something that I'm missing there? It's another guy who's on COVID protocol, move on. They're not kind of trying to cover up anything, are they? If he's got COVID? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it, nearly every team in the league, uh, who's not Canadian has had, uh, people sit out for COVID protocol for reasons that probably aren't them having covid i think if you it's all the the track and trace stuff if you come into contact yeah. with something you have to sit out for 
10 days, I think it is in their, their protocol and 14 days if you test positive. So yeah, I, we'll see. I suppose you'll know by how long he's out for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just on that COVID um, thing while we're talking about it and, and linking it to Buffalo, uh, I read something the other day about Rasmus Ristolainen who, who had COVID and had it very badly. He was talking about the fact that he couldn't walk upstairs. Like, you know, this is a fully fit, top of the elite level athlete. And he was just saying he, he wasn't able to walk up the stairs. He had no energy. And you Ant- think Anton you know, Kodobin said exactly the same thing. Yeah. And you he think that that is, you know, and uh, thankfully they've recovered and that's great. But their recovery, and they may be classed as fit to play and they may be clear in terms of the, the kind of protocol, but that is going to take its toll. Even, you know, you would imagine for weeks and weeks and months. And we talk in this country a lot about long COVID. You know, how how long is these... Is this going to linger around for players like that who have had it bad? And that that will never be disclosed. We will never know about that for obvious reasons. But yeah, that's tough on some of those players. Just and also with the East, something else that I uh, noticed it came out this afternoon that um, uh, Rangers, Devils, Penguins, also um, Vegas Golden Knights are the latest teams to open doors. Um, to fans and um, potentially have more fans coming into the arenas uh, within the next few weeks. I mean, obviously, like the, from a business side, um, it's going to be limited capacity, apparently about 10% of the building, I think. Um, uh, one of the places I think I was reading, was it Blue Jackets, perhaps? Like that, I mean... I don't know. I just can't really get my head around it, but it's so ridiculous situation in the UK, but I wouldn't say it's any better in America, but it's almost crazy to kind of think that we're all on the same planet right now and that they're allowing fans back in. Um, but I do kind of think, I wonder what that means for that, for the players, for that division. I think I mentioned um, a couple of weeks ago when the Leafs were playing the Montreal Canadiens and um, Shea Weber had said to the guys when they were playing at home to like, you know, the, the guys on the bench, the coaches, like we need more atmosphere. Like when we score, we want it to feel like we're playing at home, not like we're playing away. These small little details, I think, really help teams, players feel like they have the fans behind them as opposed to just playing another practice. It's adrenaline, isn't it? It's Mm. like if you score in front of your fans, you get adrenaline, you get a buzz, even the bench will get a buzz from it. And and if you score away and the crowd goes silent, you'll get a buzz from that. And it's like that's what they're missing. They're missing that that energy that they can get from the from the crowd. Mm. I think uh, it was um, Philadelphia. I saw they were going to let 3,100 fans in, I think. So, I mean, uh, and the stars have been having about 5,000 and you can, you can hear them and they're louder than you, you think that many fans would be in a building that size. But um, yeah, it's, it's one of those, like you say, it's, it's difficult to kind of comprehend when we're still, in this country, not having any fans at anything. Um, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's bonkers, isn't it? Hey, let me just pick up on a couple of like things that I mentioned. You know, the hair thing with Minnesota Wild, 
I've just mm. found it now, right? There used to be this thing. It was a tradition called the All Hockey Hair Team. Just Google it, right? There's a ton of videos with terrible, terrible haircuts. And it was like a thing that they did at Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament. Uh, it's like a hockey tradition. Um, and uh, that was what the link of something to do with hair is in Minnesota Wild. There's all Good kinds memory of memory recall. There's terrible, terrible puns that they've written in various NHL articles to do with flow, salad and lettuce. And apparently they are all different types of ways to describe hair in the hockey world. So if you want to sound cool with your American friends when talking about hair, then slip in the odd salad and and lettuce reference. Um, Can I also say you started this podcast with... The fact that Patrick Kane and Evander Kane are not related. Well, um, good to know. I actually uh, have a relation of two players, which perhaps you might not necessarily know about. Um, do you know who Carey Price's cousin is? No. Harry Price's cousin, Jake Allen. <laughs> no. The, unfortunately, this guy retired a couple of years ago. He used to play mostly for the Arizona Coyotes. And ironically, he was a player that we mentioned on last week's episode. We were talking about players that have played over 1,500 oh. games. Shane Doan. Yeah, they oh, are actually really? cousins. So... There you go. I found a family relation. There's, there are know. loads. Yeah. I mean, no, I, there's, yeah, you're right. I did not know that one. And there are loads of more obvious ones. But actually, the league is it's unbelievable. It's so full of, um, I don't know what on the American broadcast, but on the Canadian broadcasts all the time, like people will get um, players like uh, Kapanen wrong and William uh, and Nylander's first name wrong because they're actually, they were commentating on their father's who played the game as well. So, and they'll call him Sammy Kapanen. I've heard that a couple of times and it's Kasperi Kapanen and uh, Nylander's uh, father played as well. And so many kind of families that have played in the NHL. Um, and even now you look at how many brothers there are, like the Van Riemsdyk brothers. Those are- this week. The Kachucks. Yeah, of course they are. That'll be, that'll be fun, won't it? But there is quite a few of them. There's one, um, is it the Stahl brothers? There's like three of them, isn't there? Yeah. And the Stroms. Yeah. And the Stroms. It's quite a lot, which I don't know. Is is that Lemieux? Uh, weird, Mario Lemieux had a brother. Elaine Lemieux. Gretzky had a brother too. I mean, yeah. It, I quite like going on things like Elite Prospects, right? And you type in the player's name and, you, and it kind of shows any kind of relations that uh, that can also take up hours of time if you're working from home trying to look busy. <laughs> Um, wouldn't know what that's like obviously uh disclaimer too many games to watch at the moment for that kind of antics save that for the summer really is isn't there like i I mean i've had to sacrifice and just say look i'm not i do not have 15 hours in the in eight days to watch hockey i I can't do that and then you know go and have my weekly gaze at what's happening out west you know i can't fit that in frankly it's hard work i mean how are you going to cope with this, Matt? Like, what the hell are you going to do? I don't really know. Uh, I think You've got a child, haven't you, as well, to look after? Yeah, I think 
I think the fact that most of the games are on at one thirty in the morning probably means that I just will watch them in the morning, and and that also means that if it's five nil to Tampa, I'll probably just fast forward to the end. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but we'll see. It uh, enthusiasm could waver even further if if they keep going on this losing streak. But the good thing is, if Matt, they get though, winning, if, I'll be well up for it. If the enthusiasm starts waning, you've always got fantasy hockey to fall back on as a way to keep the passion in hockey going, eh? Ah, uh, guess who he's playing this week in fantasy? No, it's not this week. It was last week. No, me. He's playing. Am this I week. playing you this no. week? Matthew Day oh, is playing nice. me. Uh, and the last two weeks, I've lost out on literally a handful of points, like 10 points, less than 10 points. I'm not having a great fantasy season, but let's just say I'd rather Toronto Maple Leafs have a better season and me have a terrible fantasy season than the other way around. I had a wonderful night last night very quickly thinking that Mikko Koskinen was in, in net for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, who is not on my fantasy team. Mike Smith is on my fantasy team. Toronto score three goals against Koskinen, make it 3-0. He gets pulled. Mike Smith comes in. Mike Smith gets a shutout. My team wins. That is the absolute goal in life oh it was great that was a great moment well it's been look, a good we've... week claire it's been a good week i'm very happy this week i'm very happy to say that we're all a bit more chirpier than we thought we were going to be on yeah. this week's podcast after me being in a, on a right mood last week oh, yeah. and uh, you know i think we've all cheered up a little bit uh maybe because like it's been sunny in the uk we've all uh got a little bit of vitamin d and yeah. our teams are doing okay, and Matt's just like Matt's just delirious. Hockey back. He's, He's delirious. Hockey back. Yeah, I was, go- I was gonna say, you know, Jolan's thing of the the better the Leafs do, the more merchandise he wears. Yeah. Like for the podcast, the way the stars are playing, I shouldn't even wear green, let alone <laughs> anything that says Dallas on it. Could <laughs> go uh, vaguely anything that was made in America. No, nah, not interested. Yeah. No. Well, on that note... It'll be getting silly. I had to dig out a different Leafs jersey for this one just for something different, but I don't know what I'm going to do next week. I have to wear a hat again. (laughs) Oh, my God. Right. Well, on that note, we're going to leave it there. Uh, Please do get in touch with us. We're very aware that there's teams who we've skirted past... We haven't really even got into Who people we like, past? you know, Jets, Calgary Fames. But send us a message at NHL Fans yeah. From Afar. You can email us NHLFansFromAfar at gmail.com. So we get to cover them. And we'd love to have you on, you know, if you are have an interesting story to tell and you, you feel like we're not representing your team, then do come on and share with us. I would genuinely, I kind of said it jokingly earlier, but I would be fascinated to hear from a Buffalo Sabres fan um, who's based from afar because I would just love to know how you're feeling as a fan base right now. And it would be fascinating to get your take, far more educated take than mine was, but it would be good to hear from you. So if you are a Buffalo Sabres fan, reach out to us. We will be nice and I will particularly hold back from my, uh, yeah, hating on the Sabres. It's not even hating. I feel sorry for them. Yeah. Okay. Right. And they can wear a Jack Eichel jersey and then that will all be good. You wear your Matthews jersey, they wear their Eichel jersey, and it will all be balanced on this podcast. Um, and then I can uh, we can size it up to see what that's gonna look like with Eichel in New York Rangers jersey. We'll see what it's gonna look like. And that's where we're gonna end before we get sued or eggs thrown at us. Thank you. Have a great week. Goodbye.